RadioInfluence.com. You know what, guys? I guess I just can't. I just can't. I just I can't turn the page. I know the Buck season is over. Uh, football, you know, we got the great these great playoff games. Oh my God! And we're getting close to the Super Bowl. I'm gonna be in Arizona. I'm gonna be there for Super Bowl week. I'm gonna try to hook up with a lot of big names, celebrities, and put them here on the Rock Stops Here podcast. So I am excited, but I, I had to. I just I couldn't turn the page. So you know what I did? I went to his office, offices, Jimmy Giles, a former Buccaneer, tight end, great, one hell of an athlete coming out of Mississippi. He's in his late 60s now. He looks fantastic. He involves his family in his business that he has been running for years and years and years and years and years and years. But I really enjoyed my conversation and just seeing how he has his family working with him. It was kind of neat to see. It really was. And he's in three, at least three Hall of Fames. He wants to hopefully, you could just tell. He wants to be so bad in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Hopefully, maybe, maybe one day it'll happen. I hope it does for him. But even if it doesn't, he's already a winner at life. You know, and the reason why I did this podcast, number one, I wanted to stay in the game. And being here uh, so long in broadcasting, I figured, you know what? I'd like to bring, you know, those that have made it, made it. But also, what about after the limelight, and the bright lights. And that's all you've worked towards to that goal, to making it to the top of the ladder. And then it's over. You got to find something else and it's not that easy. Well, Jimmy Giles has done that. And so let me welcome in big man, big man. Man, when he shakes your hand, his paw is like unbelievable. Six, Six four, whatever he is, six five. He's maybe six three. He looks bigger than that to me. Whatever he played at two forty five, maybe two forty. Just a big man, one hell of an athlete. Was as good, if not better, at baseball than he was at football. Played professionally baseball. Was drafted by the L.A. Dodgers. He's in the college. He's in the Black College Football Hall of Fame. He's in the Mississippi Hall of Fame. He's in the Buccaneers Ring of Honor. He's a four-time Pro Bowler, third-round pick out of the Houston uh, with the Houston Oilers back in 1977, early to mid 90s. He was just a superstar with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and it's my honor and pleasure to bring you my latest guest right here. Really, really, really nice sit-down conversation with the one, the only. My man, Jimmy Giles. I am with the great Jimmy Giles, one of the greatest Tampa Bay Buccaneer players ever. 
He's a family man. He's a successful businessman. He still calls Tampa Bay home after the great career that he had as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. And uh, I ran into him in in the suite at Raymond James Stadium, and he looks exactly like he did 15, 20 years ago. You, you're looking good. Are you feeling good, Jimmy Giles? Well, sometimes, Rock, looks can be a little bit <laughs> deceiving, but I feel pretty good for the things that I endured throughout my career in the National Football League. Right. Um, however, you know, I still try to do a little walking in, do a play a little golf and stay healthy and stay mentally sharp because it's, it's important that we, you know, eat well, get some exercise and, you know, just continue to do the things that we did when we were younger, but not at that pace, but... For all intent and purposes, I feel pretty good. Great, 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 great. You had the big smile. You had your family in the in the suite. I know uh, your business. You've involved your family. Family has always been very, very important to you, hasn't it, Jimmy? From day one. Uh, I don't think I would have ever played football if it wasn't for my wife because, first of all, I was trying to impress her when I started <laughs> playing football because <laughs> I knew she had uh, – Brothers that were athletes, and you know, I knew she was drawn to that kind of uh, yeah. uh, individual. So I decided to go out and play football. But she was a big baseball fan, so I decided to play baseball. And I was blessed, unfortunately, when I was in college, to get drafted in baseball, which had impressed her, and uh, also got drafted in football, which impressed her. And some years later, we're still here. There we're you. Here that's awesome. No, congratulations, man. That's that's what it's all about. We all we all know that when it's all said and done. Absolutely. Interesting that we'll get into obviously your great football career, but you played baseball and you were very good at baseball. And I know that you were drafted. You played minor league baseball, I believe a year, even when you were at Alcorn State. At that time, did you think that baseball was going to maybe be your path and you were going to be a major leaguer, or you were just good at it besides football? Well, actually, that was my dream, to be a professional baseball player. And I just got locked in, had no idea that I would be drafted. Uh, but I wanted to, and I just went out there and practiced every day, uh, tried to improve my skills, tried to improve myself on hitting curveballs because that was my weakness at the time, and the all-speed pitches. I mean, you couldn't fool me with a fastball because it's going to be gone if you hit if nice. you threw me a fastball. But I loved baseball. I mean, baseball was pastime. We had a former um, great that played with the Boston Red Sox, who was named George Scott. Okay. And he's from Greenville, he was from Greenville, Mississippi. And man, when George Scott came home, you could see all of us running around and just be a part of him and, and just pick his brain and he would tell us stories about the major league. And those kind of things kind of inspired me. And also, um, George would try to help other individuals. And Vivian's brother, uh, Ed Davis, E.T. Davis, he was a great baseball player. But E.T. was asked to come to Boston. He got lonely for home, and he, he went to Boston and impressed everybody. I mean, because he was a great hitter. Right. From Greenville, Mississippi. Right. And he got homesick. And yeah. one day he just took off and came home. <laughs> it was just incredible, man. But, you know, he was, he was a tr- tremendous athlete. And for the most part, um, 
we just we would always talk baseball and about certain things. But George Scott and him were very good friends, and I had a chance to just grow up in my early years with George, and uh, he impressed me a lot. He gave me a lot of valuable information when I was growing up. Sure, sure. Oh yeah, yeah. If you got it from a major league like that, and I'm sure we've seen that over the years. You see some guys that are talented. In, in whatever sport, but it's different things in life. Homesick. I know one guy that was in the Yankees organization, he missed his girlfriend, and he, he didn't go back for a year, and then it was too late. Those stories come come about, you know? They are, that's true. You those, know? those kind of things happen. And actually, that was the story that happened to Ed. Right. <laughs> he missed his family. Right, and, right. Because he had never been away from uh, home that long, uh, being from sure, sure, sure. You know, he wanted to come back home and see his family. And uh, he never went back. Wow, wow. So when you were at Alcorn, um, you played, you actually played like, right? Minor league baseball one year while you were a college athlete, you know? What was that experience like playing minor league baseball? And did when did you know then? It was like, you know what, man, I'm going football. Mm-hmm. Well, when when did that when did that come come about? Well, Rock actually, contrary to popular belief, yep, uh, people think that Bo Jackson and uh, uh, Deion Sanders were the first players that played two major league sports. Well, Jimmy Giles was before them because I was drafted as a senior in college in baseball. Okay, I was drafted by the Los Angeles Dodgers, and uh, there were a number of players that I played with, uh, one in particular, was uh, Mike Sosha, who was the Dodgers um, manager for many, many years. Sure. And he used to come here uh, with and play the Rays all the time. Uh-huh. And my son loves, loves baseball, and he was a great baseball player himself. But he used to go on the field and, and talk to Mike. And Mike used to say, man, if you don't tell your dad to come see me, me and him going to fall out. Really? But Mike, Mike was a tremendous hitter when when we played together, and he was a catcher. But when I was when I was uh, drafted out of college, um, I had the opportunity to play football one year only because we made history in college. All Corn State University and Grambling State University, the college that yep. my best friend, one of my best friends of made famous in addition to Eddie Robinson. Uh, we were the first college team to play in the Louisiana Superdome. And that's what Im- inspired me to play college football. Because I had no idea or no concept of how guys could go out there and practice all the time in college and get their degrees. Because my f- main focus, because my mom and dad wanted me to go to school and get my education, how could you do that? But when you want something bad, you find a way. Wow. And uh, so when they made the announcement, I jumped up and said, I'm playing football. That's how it started. That's, that's how it started. Isn't that something? Isn't and that something? I happened to be on the field one day, baseball field. Yep. And they had a scouting combine for the football player. And my former football coach, uh, Coach Marino Cassum, uh-huh. He sent down to the baseball field to tell me to come up and run the 40-yard dash. Well, I went up to the – they were actually timing in the gym. I went to the gym. Uh-huh. They had about 15, 20 scouts. They used to really scout uh, the HBCUs heavily then. 
So I went to went to the gym, stretched a little bit, and they asked me to run, run, and I ran the forty yard dash in four point three seconds. And what was your size then? Two hundred forty five pounds. Two forty five. But like six three or something. Six three. Six three. And you ran it that fast. And they stopped the entire compound at the time. And uh, there was a scout by the Damn. name of Tommy John. Now I'm going back from memory here. His name was Tommy John. He wow. was a football scout. And and that was a Tommy John that also played. Sure, of course, and the yeah. surgery. But Tommy told me, he said, son, you're gonna be playing in the NFL somewhere next year. Wow. And one thing that he told me. He said, if you want to have a long career in the National Football League, when the season is over, he was that confident in me. Uh-huh. He said, when the season is over, take two months off and rest your body. Let it heal because it's a lot of pounding and beating during the course of a year. I think what happens to a lot of guys now, they don't take those that time off and let their body heal from all the running and hits and things that they go through during the, and just the mental phase of it. Just relax yourself. And 13 years later in the National Football League and, you know, no major injuries right. from from a knee standpoint, but, you know, I have, like, back issues and that kind of thing and some issues cognitive. Sure, but, sure. But, you know, those are things that we found out that, we couldn't control, but now they do have a way of controlling some of those things. Right, right. So you had a great football career at Alcorn, and there have been quite a few coming out of black colleges that, that made it. Was it, was it one of those, did you know, or did you know that you were going to be, were you confident and people were telling you that you're going to be something in the NFL or were you not sure? Because you're not going up against an Oklahoma or SEC or things like that. But I know the competition is good, mm-hmm. and you are so good. Did you know at that time when you were at Alcorn University that you were you thought I'm going I'm going to be really something in the NFL or didn't know? Never thought about it like that. Uh, all I wanted to do is get there. If I got there, I was going to stay there. That was my mentality. Uh, give me an opportunity, and I'll show you what I can do. Um, so I never thought past that. Interesting. Uh, because that's probably the good way. Look, yeah, if you look too far in advance, I mean, you you just can't. It's not going to hold up. Uh, so you get in, give me an opportunity. I'll show you what I can do. Never thought about the competition of the players because if a player's in front of me, I mean, I just deal with that at the time. Gotcha. I mean, but you know, I was so naive about football, shucks. I thought I could play in the Rose Bowl by going to Alcorn. So. <laughs> sure. <laughs> And we yeah. didn't have all the information you have no, now at your fingertips, so you didn't know. No. You're from little Mississippi and all Greenville, that? Greenville, Mississippi. Wow, wow. Yeah. So when you did get to the NFL, what did you notice? And did you even have that confidence then as a young guy that I can play with these guys? Or is it a big, was it a big difference? Was everybody that much better? What do you think, no, Jimmy? No, actually, my mindset was just like I said a second ago, get me there and I'm going to perform. And I'll give you a good example to just to your point that you just made. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Our first day of practice with when I was drafted in the third round by the uh, Houston Oilers. Yep. My first day of full pad practices, we had done the stretching 
and we had, you know, just did some little pass routes and stuff like that. So we came together for a full team before we started practice. They were, I think, Baum ran about 20 plays. Baum Phillips. We were about 10 plays in. Dan Pastorini called a play. Uh, it's, it's called, we call it a 95 Y post. It's just a simple rap where if I see cover two, I uh, go split the middle between the two safeties. Well, it was a cover two. Dan Pastorini caught the pass, and he we read it together, uh-huh. which he threw it out there, and the ball was way over my head, and I knew it. So most guys will look, turn and look, and watch, try to watch the ball all the time, uh-huh. which is a, not what you do. You turn your head. You got to be able to judge the football. You sprint to where you think that ball is going to come. That's why geometry is so important in football. People don't. A lot of people don't see right. it that way, but that's the analogy that I use. So I turn my head. I take three good steps, catch the ball on my fingertips, roll over, and ran it all the way in the end zone. Now we about forty-five minutes into practice. Bum Phillips blew the whistle. He said, "That's it." Practice over, go home. Practice over. He saw enough. Oh First day of practice. my God, what practice an impression over. you've making. <laughs> now, you got to remember, going to Alcorn, we practiced three hours. You know, whether we were in shorts uh, or pads, we're going to practice three hours. And here we practice on the schedule for an hour and 45 minutes. And I just closed the practice out. Everybody came over to me from Robert Brazil to uh, uh, our center, uh-huh. Billy White Shoes Johnson. Everybody come congratulating me. Wow. Because practice over, we get a chance. <laughs> yeah, to go yeah, home. yeah, yeah, yeah. They love I mean, that. It was, it was, what that a was, start. That's the way I saw it. Wow. I mean, no wow. competition was bigger than my own self. Wow. So I, I just took it from there and ran with it and tried to get better every day. I still to this day try to get better every day with what you're doing. Is that your is that is that what you live by? Is that Absolutely. is that your your Absolutely. motto? Even even here in business and all Absolutely. these years later, get better every get day. Get better every day. Interesting. Get Interesting. Now, obviously, you're in the Buccaneers ring of honor. You had all so much success with the Buccaneers. I want to ask you though about Doug Williams. Didn't you even play? A, did you possibly play against Doug Williams when you were in college? Absolutely. I think you did. And of course, your quarterback and. We know how it went, or if you didn't, and you're younger with contract negotiations and with Culver House, and he was known for being very cheap, and Doug Williams ended up going to the USFL and then came back, and of course, with the Super Bowl. I always loved Doug. What was it like to play for Doug? How good of a quarterback was he, Doug Williams? He was one of those guys, as I mentioned earlier, we played against them in first college team to play in the Superdome. Well, Doug stood out among everybody when we played them. They beat us like 27 to six, first game of the season, we in the Superdome. And I got to know him. I mean, I met him because I wanted to meet this guy who just beat us and just shine, outshine everybody. You could tell that he was a, a gem in the rough. What's so fortunate for me, the very next year we came back and played them in Shreveport the first game of the season, and we beat them. And I got to meet them again, and we just had a friendship. What's so 
uh, fortunate for both of us when I was drafted by Houston, played the first year. Right. The very next year, the Buccaneers traded the number one pick in the draft, which they had an opportunity to get Earl Campbell. They traded the number one pick in the draft for me in Houston and Houston's 17th pick in the draft. Me and the 17th pick, they just made a switch. And that switch was Doug Williams. The first phone call he got when we were drafted, when he was drafted was me. And we've been friends ever since. Been friends ever since, good friends ever since. What a story. Yeah. What a story. You had, I believe, 41 touchdowns, something like that, in your NFL career, over 5,000 yards. One of the best tight ends in the game. What do you think was the, the main reason that you had so much success in the NFL? Obviously, you have the physical skills that you know everybody in the NFL pretty much does. What set you above? What do you think it was, Jimmy? The drive that I had, the drive to be successful, uh, the drive to have seen my parents, how they raised me, how they provided me everything in life that I wanted growing up. You know, nobody told me that I was ever poor because I had a nice home, we had nice cars, and but I saw my dad work himself to death. I mean, that was him. You know, his sole purpose was to provide for his family. And that was my drive also to make sure my family was taken care of. And that's what still drives me today. Uh, and that's it. I mean, just just want to be successful from a standpoint of making sure my family is taken care of. Uh, if a friend is in need, help them. I mean, you'll find uh, several instances where me and my wife and our family uh, have done things for people that nobody else know about. We also started a foundation. Nobody really knows a lot about it, but we provide uh, computers for a fourth grade um, elementary school here. Only we know in the school know. Beautiful. I mean, it's just things that we do uh, that we are paying it back because we were blessed to be able to uh, uh, have that opportunity to be successful. And then our the other drive is your faith in God. I mean, we just believe that, you know, you have to pay it forward for things that are given to you and you make that make you successful. Wow. Yeah, that's 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 you got it. You got to figure it out, man. Yeah. You got it figured out. You're in quite a few Hall of Fames. Not only, you know, you consider there's the Buccaneers Ring of Honor. There's only a handful that are up there in that, that stadium. You're in the Black College Football Hall of Fame. Right. I believe the Mississippi yes. Hall of Fame as well. And who knows, maybe one day, who knows, Pro Football Hall of Fame. I'm sure that's that's what you would always like. But is there one that stands out? Does each one have a special place in your heart, Jimmy? Oh, absolutely, because it, it, it marks a career path. Um, I don't know if my high school has one, but I remember that my class in high school voted me to be the most successful athlete coming out of high school. That's interesting. Now, who, who would know that? Yeah, yeah. They voted me to be the, the best athlete in my in my class. 
Now we had guys like Wilbert and Cleotha Montgomery. We had a guy named Charles Brady. These guys were phenomenal athletes. Um, in fact, Wilbert and Cleotha were the first two guys that I ran against because they were the fastest guys in Greenville, in Mississippi at the time. These guys were unbelievable. We call them Montgomery boys because there's about 10 of them and they all were pure athletes. But one day we were at our elementary school, uh, we were racing and Wilbur and Cleve would just beat everybody. They would give them five yards or 10 yards and beat them five yards. They were that fast. Yeah. So they used to call me Tip then because I ran on my toes. They said, come on Tip, you gotta run too. <laughs> okay. I get up there, they gave me five yards. When we got to the finish line, they might have been behind me another six yards. <laughs> and Damn. I never will forget it because Wilbur and Cleotha both, they just fell to the ground and started laughing, man. They could not believe it. But what they didn't know, and that was all the confidence in the world that I needed to know that I had something yeah. that was special. Yeah, yeah. And I could run with these boys. And if you could do that, if you got that speed, you can make something of it. That's awesome. And then they wanted me to run track, but that's something I never could get no. into because I couldn't see running just to be running. <laughs> I'm with you. You know, I'm with you. I'm with <laughs> that's you. That's something I've never been. I'm with you. Of. I had a man one time tell me. He says, "When I see somebody when they're running and jogging and they got a smile on their face, that's when I'll take that sport <laughs> up." But nobody looks happy. Nobody looks happy. Nobody right. looks happy. <laughs> Even the guys that break all the world records, they you see the big frowns on their right, face. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Just two two quick ones, kind of in the end. This the, the the game, the game itself, the game. I what do you think? Has the game? Let's talk NFL level. Has it changed so much? Does it still come down to blocking, tackling, making the right plays? You know what I mean. The Absolutely. game. What, what what do you think, Jay? The game has changed because you know things change in life, obviously. But the game has changed to make it a lot safer. I think there are a lot less uh, head trauma injuries now. But the sport is still a violent sport, as we witnessed two weeks ago. And it was a routine tackle. It didn't seem like it was anything serious, but it was a serious thing that happened to that young man. But. I think the NFL is doing a good job of trying to protect it. They're trying to keep the quarterback safe because, man, I've seen some opportunities that these linemen um, had on quarterbacks and they didn't have the right rules in. They could have been serious to hurt. Now, if you look back 20, 30 years ago, there were a lot of quarterbacks hurt because mm -hmm. of that and they mm -hmm. didn't have those rules in place. Right. But like I just mentioned, times changed. So they adjusted what they had to do for the game. Um, and for the most part, I, I just think um, everybody has an opportunity, if you're successful in the game, to do well. I mean, there are no limits on how well you can do, but it's got to be on you to do that. Here, I usually end all my podcast on asking my guests, those that have made it to the top level, you also certainly are doing good things business being a family man what's the best piece of advice in life maybe even a player as well but in life in general to 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 young young people 
What is the best piece of advice that you can give them, Jimmy? Because you certainly have had a, you got your head on straight and you always have. What's the best piece of advice you can give? Well, I think uh, my wife had a statement years ago when we first started our business. Uh, it was a statement about our business. It said, uh, surround your people, surround yourself with good people and treat them like family. But from retrospect, I look at it, you gotta have a good family support system to be successful. And from that perspective, then they allow you to meet other people because people can see certain things in people. Some people come to you for one thing, for an opportunity or whatever the case is, but you gotta know how to decipher who's gonna be your friend, who's there for you, who's there for an opportunity to do something better. And that's okay, but you can't let them take advantage of you if, if there are opportunities to help you get what you're looking for. But you don't want anybody to take advantage of you. Interesting. But surround yourself with good, good family people, good family members. Now that's not easy. Because sometimes family members uh, will try to take advantage of you also. But I think for my part, you know, my wife and I have been married a long time since we've been out of college. That's, that's impressive. And uh, you don't ever leave your fate behind. Awesome. You know, so, you know, there's an old saying, God, family, and business opportunities. And football to them was a business opportunity for me, and I made the best of it. Listen, man, all the success in the world, the congratulations. Any, in closing, is there anything you want to say to your fans that have followed you over the years? Uh, Buccaneer fans, NFL fans, fans in the community? Anything at all you wanted to say in closing uh, at all? Well, Rock, I tell you, man, I um, – the fans make a big difference in everybody's lives. Um, I have the opportunity to go on out on the field sometimes with the Bucks, and it's amazing the love that you feel from the fans. Man, I've been out of this game a long, long time. Right. And to hear the cheers that the people still give me, we were recognized um, a couple of weeks ago when Coach Arians was inducted into the Ring of Honor. And I couldn't believe the number of people that cheered and my daughter came to me. She said, Dad, they still love you. And that's a great feeling. And I I want to say, hey, I love you guys back. And I really appreciate the love that you give me when I'm out there because it means a lot to all of us, not just me, to all of the players. Um, and, Rock, I, I do want to say, you know, we haven't had the opportunity um, to be in the Hall, to, to get to the Hall of Fame, but, you know, I've been there in the nomination process before, and I know Ira is, uh, has a big responsibility because that's, his, that's what he has to do. And I think he's, uh, he's doing a tremendous job. I know he's trying to get Rhonda Barber in there, uh, and hopefully, you know, when it's all over and Rhonda gets his opportunity, which I think he should, and he's certainly deserved because they went to the Super Bowl. But... To, for my case, we built the foundation. I think we built a pretty good foundation. And uh, if you look at the statistics, if you look at what we did, 
I mean, from Leroy to Doug to Ricky Bell, you know, to guys like David Lewis, Batman, Woods. Uh, you know, we built a pretty solid foundation here. And uh, we deserve more representation than what we have. And all we're looking for, all I'm looking for is an opportunity. Thank you so much. Best of luck. Continued success in life. Jimmy, thank you. My pleasure, Ron. Always. You know, I want to thank a friend of mine. He's actually kind of my boss. Uh, it's at the uh, the website where I do a lot of my Buccaneer and local coverage, the Tampa Free Press, Brian Burns. And Brian Burns, it was at the last Buccaneer game, the bad, bad Buccaneer game, the loss, the playoff loss, the wild card, super wild card weekend. And I get a text from Brian. He's like, hey, are you in the press box? I said, I am. He goes, I'm down in suite number 32. I'm here with Jimmy Giles. If you got a chance at halftime, come down and say hello. I'm like, wow. Now, I've seen Jimmy Giles might have in passing. Hey, how you doing, Jimmy? And that's it. But when I first came back here to Tampa Bay in 1994, I was working in radio at 970 WFLA. My boss at the time was Gabe Hobbs. He's the one that hired me. And when I first came here, back here, because I did go to St. Leo College for two years, so I was familiar a little bit out of Pasco County in the Tampa Bay area, you know. And uh, Gabe said, hey, we might have Jimmy Giles wants to do a show on 970. You would be the host. We met at a, I don't even remember where it was, a little restaurant, sat down. Uh, lengthy, and I don't know what happened. The deal eventually falls fell through. Like that happens quite a bit. You you know, you, a lot of times you get involved, you go to meetings, and not everything you know works out. But I remember being sitting across from him, and that was like, God, I'm here. I was at Bainesland 18 years. I'm out five. That's 23, five, maybe 27 years ago, 26, seven years ago. That long ago, yeah. And so, you know, of course, Jimmy Giles being in the ring of honor and I would see him from a distance, but that was really about it. And I went into the suite and Brian really, really respects Jimmy Giles because Jimmy Giles was so nice to Brian's son when Brian's son was young. His son now, I think, is about maybe 16 and he's got all this hair and he was just a little tyke and, and Jimmy remembers that and blah, 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 and trying to help get him in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And so we went into the suite, and it was cool, and it was during halftime, and his wife was there, and meeting family members. You know, it was kind of neat. And so he said, hey, he'd be, you know, he'd be good for your podcast. I said, he would be. And all right, boom, we did numbers, exchanged numbers, and there you go, texted him last week. Boom, happy to do it. There, boom, boom, and there you go. So it's funny how sometimes things can come full circle. That was over 25 years ago when I was going to do a radio show with Jimmy Giles on 970, and all this time has passed, and all different teams have come and gone and players, and I'll tell you what, he looks fantastic because he's a big man, and uh, he's got a couple years on me, not many, but he's got a couple of years, but he looks he looks great. And he's still working and he's 
he's like I said, and he, he I love that in that interview where to this day, to this day, he's in his late sixties and he still has his business and he's working. His every day, his motto, his goal is to get better today. Let me be better today than I was yesterday. That's pretty incredible. That's amazing. And so, uh, Jimmy, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'm sure I'll be seeing you around. So that was great. That was great. Now, I was immersed in Buccaneer coverage this year and last year as well because one of the greatest players ever to play in the NFL, Tom Brady, was here in Tampa Bay. And I was not going to pass up a daily opportunity to be around the GOAT. Uh, it was incredible to watch whether or not you can't stand Brady. You can't, oh, he's, uh, he's good looking. He's got all this money. He's seven Super Bowl championships. Can't stand, couldn't stand him on the Patriots. Maybe you're not, you're not a Buccaneer fan. Can't stand him all this. Let me tell you something, man. It was an honor. It was an honor to just watch how he goes about his business. And he was, you know, he has been having to deal with media for 23 or four years. And some questions sometimes. And just, the, just uh, he was really, really good. He was good to us. He's not going to give you much. Most superstars don't. I've told you before, the Derek Jeter. I know someone that's very close to, very close to Derek Jeter. He admits, like, he's never going to give you anything. He's never going to give any bulletin board material. Doesn't want anything to go viral. Never really going to give you much. But he was really pretty good. And everybody that would ask him a question after all these years, you've been doing it so much, he would take time, look him in the eye, and then figure out what he was going to say. But answer, answer, you know. Uh, he was great. He was great. Teammates that were around him, young guys said that he was good. Didn't act like he was bigger than everybody. Didn't act like he was a diva. Didn't act like he was seven-time Super Bowl champ in the GOAT. Didn't act like it at all. And so whether or not he's done, it's it was, it was not fun to watch at the end because, and I came to this realization, I mentioned this on my Joe Bucks fan kickoff, Joe Bucks fan, uh, Bucks kickoff podcast that I did before each and every game. I would watch and practice and his arm still is amazing. But it's more than just arm. It's getting rid of the ball, decisions, you know, defensive linemen and edge rushers and linebackers are coming at him, doesn't want to get hit, all this, can't scramble really anymore. I mean, and that's all a part of the game. So it's more than just arm. Because here I am trying to, be, I'm in his corner the whole time. Like his arm is still good. His arm is lively. The arm is lively. But you don't want to see a goat, a great, like a Michael Jordan, even a LeBron. If you're not a LeBron fan, LeBron, you don't want to see. Like when he played for the Wizards, it wasn't like it was embarrassing, but I just didn't like seeing him. It wasn't, it's not Michael Jordan, 23 Bulls, you know. And I'm okay, man. You know, Brady is done. It's done. You know, it's, yeah. As I've said many times, and it's easier for me, man, if he would have walked away after that boat parade where he drank the avocado tequila 
Ryan Griffin had to help him. He was buzzed. He was normal. He was buzzed. And he threw the trophy, the Lombardi trophy, to the other boat, Cameron Brait. Was it Cameron Brait? Cameron Brait caught it. Everybody thought Grant caught it. Cameron Brait caught it. That was great. You came to the Buccaneers in one year during the pandemic with no training camp, no preseason games, nothing, and you got it done and won another Super Bowl with the Buccaneers? you got to be kidding me. You would be walking on water the rest of your life. But he's a competitor. Who is to tell? You know, it's hard. You know, you could, boy, that would have been something else. But he, he likes to be out there. I've seen him in practice. You can tell he likes the whole process. It's not just game day. He loves all of it. He loves studying. He loves being around teammates. He loves working on footwork, the plyometrics, the nutrition, the whole thing. He's addicted. Just like I'm addicted to this business. It's me. And I didn't, you know, I did, you know, comparing me to Brady, but I didn't go out on my own terms. I was not renewed after 18 years at Bay News 9. Doesn't matter. I was not renewed because the reason given was I wasn't all in on their high school coverage. And you know what? It's true. I think there's a time and a place, as I've said this many times, to cover high school. There's a time and a place. But when you're using all your resources all in, you're wasting a lot of money, man, because you're only broadcasting or doing stories for those families. Let's face it. Do you know, do you know in your hometown who the point guard is for two of your high school teams? Do you know? If you don't have kids or nephews or nieces, why would you know? It would be creepy to be creeping, be so into kids. It would be weird. And I guess in the back, I'd made it vocal, like we're wasting our time, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I wasn't all in. So anyway, I was let go. I was, I was not renewed. 18 years, I had a good reputation. I never got a, you know, I was good to everybody and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't go out on my own terms. I was walked out to my car after 18 years at Bay News 9 and Bright House. And so that sticks with you. It does. I'm, I'm a human being. And it's just like last week, for, it was called Black Monday two weeks ago. It's Black Monday. And Sean Payton was on Fox saying he hates that term. Uh, Black Monday, Black Monday. And we're, at, we're acting, yes, these, these athletes, that was co- for coaches getting fired. And there's so, there's so much of a domino effect when a head coach, like in the NFL or Major League Baseball or NHL or NBA, when they get fired, there's a lot of families that are affected that they brought in their own coaching staff Coaches have wives, coaches and wives have kids, families, and if you're older, maybe even a grandkid, and they're all affected, and you might have to move, and or you're, it's, it's, you know, and the mental side of it. Any of these guys that have gotten to this level have gotten to this level because they're competitive, they're passionate, they got to drive to win. And when you're walked out of the building and where you're called into an office and saying, we appreciate your service, we're going in a different direction, leave your playbook here, we'll take your swipe card, thanks so much, man, best of luck. And then you walk out and you go home. 
and your wife is there, what happened? Well, we kind of thought it would happen. Yeah, the team only won eight games. Yeah, we kind of knew, but it's a finality. And you're there. Boom. And especially if you're younger, your kids are in, say, high school. Moving your kids? Moving your kids? At that time? You don't want to do that if you don't have to. They've got their friends, their lives. That's huge. That's all that they know. That's everything to them. And then starting new? You're, it's a lot. It's a lot. And the number one thing is to get to the NFL as a player or a coach, you are the best of the best. And now, boom, you're told you sucked. You're done. Not here. Boom. And it's not easy. It's, 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 it's not easy. So you know what? I tried not to be you know, on social media. And sure, fans are short for fanatic. I get it. <clears throat> You're pissed off. Your team stunk. The offense stunk. You can't fire all the players. Somebody's got to be the scapegoat. Maybe you were somewhat to blame, but not all the blame. And and then here here's what here's the difference now in 2023 than maybe say in 1989. There wasn't social media. We all weren't on our phones all the time to see notifications. If you go to your Facebook, your Instagram, your Twitter, your whatever, your 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 notifications like, oh, so-and-so got fired. Oh, this happened. Ooh, they got in a fight here. Ooh, look at this video. Ooh, ooh. Everything is out there. And what used to be private is no longer private. And so not only are you dealing with getting fired, but also you're walking into the grocery store, you're walking over here, and people know the whole deal. And that is not, that's not easy. You can say, oh, man, they're millionaires. They are. No, they got a lot of money. And our coaches aren't million millionaires. Maybe I'm talking, a head coach is different. All right, maybe a coordinator, yes, uh, but not the situation for coaches and assistant coaches, and then they're going to go down. And and anyway, my whole point was like, it's not. I don't gloat. I don't gloat when coordinators are fired. That I think that man, they really are not doing a good job. Like, or it just in my opinion. So anyway, there was that. But I just I kind of you know put myself in that position. And I see it from a different light. You know what I'm saying? And I've been there. And to this day, it still bothers me that I was not renewed. And it's I'm on five years. I'm just being honest with you. I am just being totally honest with you. It still, it still bothers me to this day. Have I moved on? Yes. Do I like being in the field and still covering the box and the rays and the lightning? Yes. Do I like doing these podcasts? Yes. Do I like doing the Joe Bucks fan Bucks kickoff podcast? Hell yes. But I I still, because it wasn't on my terms, I still want another shot. You know, I still want it. I still want it. Nobody's nobody's calling. This is reality. It's reality. You know, do something else. No, I don't want to do anything else. This is what I, this is me. That's another thing. You know, I had a, a former boss that I'm, I'm very, very grateful for. He basically was responsible for me being 18 years at the same TV station with a 401k, with a pension, uh, benefits, 
a life. I am very, very, very thankful and grateful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So right after, and he was not in charge when I was not renewed. And I texted him and said, hey, maybe you can, maybe I, I, I'm, I'm yearning to get back, man. You know, I'm yearning to get back. That was me stepping on the water bottle. Um, I'm yearning to get back. What do you think? He said, I'll take you to lunch. And we met and it was great. It was cool. He was out just out of the business. Very happy doing some teaching at uh, a local university involved in a couple of other projects. Going to be getting retirement. Couldn't be happier. Couldn't be happier. And he said to me, look, you had a good run. Why not do something else? I don't want to die in a newsroom. That was his words. No. And no, I, but I, this is what I, this is what I do. You see what I'm saying? It's very easy to tell somebody. There were years, years and years and years ago. I had an in-law say, why don't you do this? So-and-so selling cars. They can get you in. I don't want to do that. I tried this uniform rental when I was in Denver, driving around as a trainee on a route, a truck that they pick up uniforms in these greasy, like the, the, the places we were going, their uniforms get so dirty that you can't really put them in a laundry, a wash and it's called, and you pick them up this and that, this and that. And she's like, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe they'll give you a route. Maybe you'll give you a route. And I was, I was young, man. I wasn't, I wanted to be in this business. I had already been in it for a little stretch. And it was like, no, just do something. Just do that. Do that. Like, it's very easy for somebody to tell you what you should do. But does it fit? You know what I'm saying? And so I was just thinking about it. That's all. Only because the Buccaneer season is done. I enjoyed the heck out of covering Brady and watching one of the greatest of all time for two years. I know he was there three, but the one year I really wasn't involved at all. We weren't even able to go there. Um, and then last year through the pandemic, we were, but we had to be in a trailer and tested every day or no, once a week. And then this year was full access and you're all around this and that, and this and that. And as I, as I leave, leave you with this, I never saw Brady in the building and I never saw Brady at his locker, never saw him in the locker room. And I was there all year. I was there Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Monday, we didn't, I don't we didn't, I wasn't there much Monday. You might be able to go back in the locker room on Monday, but there were one or two days when they had like an extra day. Never saw him, never saw him. I saw him one time in a hallway in June in the off season where they did a cut for the cure for pediatric cancer and all their families and they cut their hair, spray paint it red. And I saw him in the hallway that one day. I'm like, damn, I got up close to him. He is tall. He's got to be 6'6". I know they list him at, if they only list him at 6'4", that's bull. Because Blaine Gabbard is 6'5", they list him. And Brady's taller than him. Brady is tall, taller than you think. But anyway, anyway, it was a great experience. I'll be covering, God willing, here in Tampa Bay. Buccaneers again. More lightning now. Raise, hopefully I can. And keep on going. And there, there you go. So, personally... Whoo, it's been a little bit of, uh, I would call it like a stress, a lot of work. Overall, 
Health is good. As long as the health is good, we're good. If my health, family's health, we're good. Yeah, there's this and that and this and that, COVID here and that, but we've all survived and every, every all three of us have had it. And we've all survived. Everything's good, although I had a lingering cough for a damn near month and a half, but whatever. We're all good. We're all good. I, so that's number one. And I don't want to get into it too deep here, but basically my wife never really liked, she loves our neighbors, likes the kind of upper area where we are, school system is great, never really was a fan of this particular house. She's always in her spare time gone on Zillow just to see what's out there. We've been in this house, I don't know, eight years, nine years. Uh, I liked the last house, but that was my bachelor house. She came into it. It was a brand new, small house. It was perfect for me. Loved it. But, it, you know, she wanted to have our own place. So then, of course, boom, I sold that, came up here. This school system's great and da-da-da. I love it. I got a nature preserve behind me. I got woods. I love woods. I don't know why. Just I love woods. Sorry. Maybe because when I was a kid and I went to my friend's house out of my neighborhood, I, he actually had woods in his backyard. It was tremendous. There's something about woods in your backyard, no neighbor. It's it, But we're still, we're not in the boondocks. It's strange. It's how it worked out up here. And she's always been on Zillow. And there's an open house. She'll say it once in a while. I'm like, hmm, I have not been on Zillow in the eight years that I've been here. I'm fine. <laughs> And uh, all right, we went. Oh, she liked, you know, my daughter and her daughter's kitchen and not enough space. This, that, and so boom, and then boom, and then boom, and then we didn't get it. And you got to be in MLS in order to put it in a bid, just for kicks, just for kicks. She says. So you know what? Sometimes you got to give up. So basically, we've been going through all of that. And uh, I would look for a storage unit and uh, got to start getting stuff out. And then even if it, we don't have anything, it looks like, you know what, we're this far in. You you got to, you got to, it's got to be a give and take, man. When you're, when you're married, you got to give and take. You know that. As long as I got my health, I'm good. I'll deal with it. So, uh, but I'll never get woods, never get a backyard like this anymore. So anyway, that's where that's where we're at. There's a lot. There's a lot to it. We've had people coming through, boom, boom, boom. Had a long inspection today. I can't imagine all the stuff. This house is 40 years old. Uh, I I got to go through the garage, the attic. I, so you know, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying. There's uh, there 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 there's there there's been a few things. I thought that was my my alarm. I'm talking out of school. Uh, but anyway. Anyway, all is good. We'll see what happens. We're, we don't have to. We don't have to go if nothing works out right. If it's going to be too much, we'll see. We've got to get a roof. I've met with the roofers. Down here, the big thing in Florida is number one, roof. Number two, AC. And we had a new AC unit put in two years ago, three years ago. I had a new pool pump put in. Boom. New bathrooms. Boom. But the roof. So we got staying or going, depending on what all shakes down, we're getting a new roof. They ain't cheap. You got to do it down here with the, the. So 
It's it's uh, it's it's a lot, but uh, all is well, all is well. So listen, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you're not subscribed, please subscribe. Easy, boom, subscribe, and you got it every Tuesday morning. And my thanks to Jimmy Giles, working it, family man. He's he's got he's made it in life, life, more than just the playing field. So thank you to Jimmy. And thank you. Thank you, guys. And I'll talk to you next week. We'll do the same thing. I'll give you an update. <laughs> Thanks, man. Talk to you next Tuesday. <laughs>